Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast, a podcast created to champion church multiplication, provide learning, and inspire new disciple-making communities across Canada. Hi there, welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast. My name is Paul Fraser, the host of the Multiply Network Podcast. So glad you tuned in today. Excited to chat with Pastor Kevin Sawatsky from Yorkton, Saskatchewan. Got an incredible story about revitalizing a church, planting two other churches out of that small rural community, and is now the lead pastor of one of those plants that the mother church planted. Such an incredible story of faith, favor, reaching the community. He's also an executive officer with the district of Saskatchewan, sits on our Multiply Network lead team. We talk about, in this episode, rural church planting, the benefits, the obstacles, some of the how. But what you're going to hear most is the passion for church multiplication. I hope you catch it for rural communities because there are such incredible opportunities. So sit back, relax, and hear this great interview with Pastor Kevin Sawatsky. Well, we're happy to have uh, Pastor Reverend Bishop... (laughs) Kevin Sawatsky with us on the Multiply Network podcast. He's a church planter, full-time church planter in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, launching the Dream Center there. He also has another portfolio that has him at district office, working with revitalization and church planting in the district of Saskatchewan. Pastor Kevin, welcome to the podcast. It is really an honor to be here, Paul. I'm so thankful that you would uh, want to invest a little bit in us in Saskatchewan. So thank you for doing that today. Well, we're really excited to have you on. And why don't you tell us a little bit about you, your family, and your church plant in Yorkton? Some of my best years came in uh, when we moved to Saskatchewan in 2002. Uh, 2002 in Saskatchewan was a year when everyone was leaving Saskatchewan, not coming here. And we moved into a small community, a small community, uh, about an hour outside of Saskatoon, into a church of all seniors, um, my wife and I, and then our three young children way back in those days. Uh, since we've been in Saskatchewan, we added one more, one more child. So we are a family of four kids. And now we're getting close to the empty nesters uh, 17 years later. We have only one at home. The rest of my other three kids are across Canada. And Rochelle and I, uh, my wife of 27 years, uh, have had a great adventure now getting the chance to, to see our kids grow up and begin to start missional behavior on their own. I have a daughter in Calgary, a son that travels back and forth between Saskatoon and Richmond. Uh, my last, my, my son that just graduated, he lives in Saskatoon. And then we got a 14-year-old. And we have lived now in Yorkton for just over five years as we have been replanting our closed ministry from 2011 here. Um, But I'll tell you more about that later. And so some exciting things are happening uh, there. Uh, You've also done some church multiplication in your previous church. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? You talked about that church being full of seniors at the time, but you you had a real focus on um, missional community and connecting with them. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that season? That is a a great story for us. Uh, our story 
is uh, connects with a lot of people because it's a rural story. The majority of our churches within PAOC are actually in the smaller solo church pastors. And we moved to a community of 1,300 people into a church of 30 people. And the only family that had young kids was my wife and I. We had three children. There was one family that was attending the church that had their youngest child was 13 at the time. And and that was a group of people that um, at our very first meeting in 2002, when we sat with this old church, and it was one of those old churches that were built in the in the uh, hundred centennial. POC had a, a real push in the in the 1960s, late 60s, to plant churches, and it was one of those those A-frame kind of buildings. You've been in one pastor's office to the right, you know, downstairs with a little plaque on the wall that showed attendance and offering from last week, and and the uh, paneling on the back. You know, we got to have the wood paneling. Um, and that that church was uh, in 19 in 2002. It was a vintage 1974 building. It was fantastic. It was a current modern 74 building in 2002, and we came into that church. Rochelle and I were overwhelmed leaving a uh, city of Edmonton and a brand new building and a brand new brand new ministry um, in there. And, and when we left to go to this small community, we sat with the church and we said to them, what do you feel is your future uh, in, in, in Lanigan? And one of the board members who was in his uh, late 60s, retired, he said, I think that in 10 years, our church is going to close. And I, I responded, and I really feel it was the Lord's question because I, uh, I, I didn't, we weren't thinking vitality or renewal or church turnaround or replant. That, that was not in 2002. That wasn't really the conversation. And I said, do you think that God planted this church in 2009 to close it just, just in 35 years later? And they said, no. And I said, what would you be willing to do to make sure that this church stays uh, healthy and vitalized in this? We didn't use that word just here in the next 10 years. And they said, you know, I think we'd be willing to do anything. And that was the beginning of what an adventure. That church grew to about 100 people. It uh, built a brand new building in a small community. The church completely changed its focus. Uh, It was a painful growth period. But um, the, the church, those senior people, the best honoring that I can give of them is that they were willing to lose their church to get it back. They lost their ministry that they loved and they liked the way they created and they lost it all so that they could get it back. Then that church, not only did it have a a strong turnaround, uh, that church became a church planting church. Its DNA was based upon the fact that it was planted uh, from a small community about 45 minutes away. And we revisited that um, DNA of the church and we became a rural church that began to be a planting church. So that church planted two churches and I am now pastoring in the second plant out of that rural. So that's still my mother church in that community again of uh, 1300 people, church less than 75. And they planted two churches and that's both, both ministries, both plants the mother church as well, and the planted church as well. And now this plant, um, Rochelle and I resigned that church in 2016. 
and began full-time here to take on this ministry because all three churches had become bigger than just one one person could handle them. Great story, Paul, just a great story of and it's it's our story because it is rural Saskatchewan. It's it's church planning within a rural context, which I don't think a lot of our rural churches believe that they can actually do that. And so uh, yeah, we've we've had a great ride here in Saskatchewan. And now being able to kind of push into our rural churches, speaking to that um uh demographic because they look at me and they say, oh well you must have had, you know, that couldn't happen here in our church at 30. And I said, because you probably had young people. And I said, well, no, no, my wife and I were the only young people, but there was a group of people that said, we'll, we'll throw it all on the table for the glory of God. And God bless them. They just celebrated 50 years. And that church now sits in a building that's worth over a million dollars. It's insured for a million two. And, and they paid off their debt. So a church that had no money, a church that had no vision, built a million dollar building for $300,000 and is now out of debt less than 10 years later. I it's, it's just a crazy story. It's a great story. So yeah, I get pretty pumped about this, this story. I, I I'm reminded of that statement and I don't know if I've used it on this podcast before. Uh, don't tell me the sky's the limit when there's footprints on the moon. Hallelujah. I think there's a lot of rural planters out there that go, we can't plant. We can't grow. Uh, there's a community 20 minutes away. They'll never receive the gospel there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you see as the potential for rural multiplication, rural planting in Saskatchewan, but broaden it out. There's rural communities all over Canada. Talk to us about the potential. As I said, our statistics say that we are a smaller, the vast majority of our churches, of our 11 POC, 1100 POC churches, are within the under 100 mark. So we really need to figure this out. Because if we're continuing to look to the larger churches, the, 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 uh, the settings within the, the multi-staff type of things as being the, the leaders of this, we are going to find ourselves in a significant amount of trouble. Because we still are massively rural-based in Canada. And so much of our ministry needs to continue to focus in on those hundreds of communities now that have no gospel witness. At one time, there used to be, you know, United Churches and and Catholic Churches, and there often is still Catholic Churches. But a lot of those churches have all closed. They're sitting empty. And and with if we could can have a vision and a, and a, a, a re um, a, a beginning to have a or sorry a re passioning for our smaller communities that don't have a any gospel witness, if we could have a revision and we could have a significant uh, dent in the in the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light, if these smaller churches could get over their their we can't do this. We're old. <laughs> we're, we're not able to go down there. It doesn't take a lot of work to, to um, go 10 minutes or an hour or half an hour down the street, put up some bulletins and say, we're going to meet on Wednesday in the Catholic Church with some worship and some stuff and see who shows up. You'd be shocked at, at who will show up because God is at work in these communities. They just need someone to lead it. Right. And, and we're, we get rural. Rural churches get rural churches. They, they, if they have been in the church long enough, they not only know everyone in their community, but they know everyone in everyone else's community. Right. So they've got, they've got uh, uh, credibility. They, they've got um, 
uh, already relationships within these other communities. It's, it's, a, it's very difficult for some church to plant into an area which they have no relationship because that's one of the barriers of planting in rural communities is that people have been there forever. Rochelle and I pastored in Lanigan for 16 years and still felt like the new people, even though we'd been there that long. And, but we had earned it over the 16 years to have the big events where someone in the community dies and they would call us because we had been so involved with the community and, and, and helping with the, with the major events. And that gives you layer after layer of layer of greater influence around the broader area. So I think rural ministry and planting from uh, established churches is a very significant marketing uh, if that's a maybe that's a maybe that's a that's a striking word for people. They don't like that word, but but really would be a very advantageous responsibility for us as as within the PAOC because we're there. We have got sixty plus churches in Saskatchewan, yeah. and the vast majority of them are in smaller communities. Well, I like what your superintendent said. I was at a a Healthy Leaders Network. Yeah, John's amazing. John's amazing, and he just got up and said, "Think about the communities twenty minutes down the highway." I mean, people in cities will drive 40 minutes to a church sometimes. Yes, they will. Think yeah. 20 minutes down the highway. Think about doing an alpha. Think about doing a Bible study. Like you said, start a worship service, something. Uh, we need gospel witnesses there. What do you think? So you've you've done rural planting. You've been in the city context. You understand both. But But coming to the rural communities, what were some of the mindsets you had to overcome or to get past, or to maybe learn new ones, in order to plant successfully in a rural setting, and maybe broaden it out to what are other planters, what are other rural pastors, what do they need to get over? I had to get over being PAOC. Uh, I am grateful for being a part of the family. And I think that we as a large family have a responsibility to Canada as one of the largest families. When we moved to Leroy to plant the church there, I felt clearly the call of God to Leroy with lots of, there was lots of reasons behind it, but I, I clearly felt the call on the day that I went to the final service of the Lutheran church. So the Lutheran church was closing after 99 years or something like this, and they were shutting down the building and, and then they had their last service. And when they closed the door at the end of the service, there was no longer any gospel witness left in Leroy, Saskatchewan. And the Lord said to me, what are you going to do about that? And I said, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do about that. And so as we got close to the, the, the launch, I knew that I had to launch based upon a multi-faith, um, sorry, multi-denominational uh, context. I did not need to come in heavy charismatic because I knew that, that we needed to be a community church that provided uh, a ministry opportunity. We need to be faithful to who we are in the word, faithful to our expression in worship. But a lot of those other things, I needed to expand my like I don't usually do the Lord's Prayer every week in our church, and I don't usually read the Apostles' Creed in our church. But there are a lot of churches that do that every single week and find great joy in it, and great—it's—it's um, it's a big part of their their faith expression. 
And that was a, a barrier for me that I needed to kind of get over that we, when we planted Leroy, we planted Leroy's Leroy Community Church. We made it clear that though we were PAOC, we were coming in there to plant a Christian service that believed in, in high value in, in worshiping Jesus, high value in listening to the word and a high value excuse me, in reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. We weren't going to soften any of those things, but a lot of the other stuff we, we could lay aside. We didn't, have to, uh, we didn't have to go in extreme in the service. Now, the amazing thing about it is that we are able, as we stayed true in relationship, we've been able to bring our doctrine and the things that we hold dear into the service and saying, this is what we believe. And this is why we think that this is right. But, but be in a respectful manner. Um, so one of the guys that was coming, he, he said, you know, I would like to actually have a study on the Holy Spirit because I don't really don't know anything about it. I've gone to church my whole life and I don't know anything about it. So they had a midweek. Well, our service was on midweek. So they did it on Friday nights uh, at another house where they spent the whole time just walking through the using the Alpha course, actually, as as their their guide to talking about the Holy Spirit and and. Um, I remember the day when the Lutheran lady from the church came to me and she says, Pastor Kevin, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm speaking in tongues now. <laughs> and, and, and it's so exciting. And I've always wanted this, but I didn't know the context of it within our, and she's die hard Lutheran. Like, you know, she will be buried in a Lutheran grave, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, that was, that was a big part of it for me. The other thing that was hard for me to get over with or get, get over was, was that a church, a community of 500 people is worth my time. 500 people is worth the effort to bring the gospel into that community. So we started in a school. We started in a classroom in a school. Hard work, brought in the, brought in the drum set, brought in speakers, brought in a keyboard, brought in a projector. We brought in everything that we would bring into a service. We carried it all, we packed it all in, and 14 people showed up at that first service. Seven of them were ours, and seven of them were for the community. Those seven people that first came have never left. They have grown that church to 25, 30 people because they've just been a part of the community and loved the community, and, and they trusted us. And we were thankful because there were people that were part of our group in Lanigan that lived in Leroy. So they had great credibility and we just be able to ride on that. So those are some of the things that I had to overcome that the community of that size was worth the effort and that we needed to lay aside um, some of our, uh, our things that are just us and look at the bigger gospel picture of everyone needs. But what do you say? You have a great statement. I'm, I'm just loving the statement that everyone needs. Say it to me. Uh, oh, everyone, every, everyone. Yeah. Everyone deserves an access point to the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, boy, that's that. That is a great expression, and that we didn't know, but that's kind of the idea. We just wanted to give an access point that would not hold people away. So we were very, very careful to say, "You come, you know, we're going to include these things." And the Lutherans walked away saying, "Man, thank you so much for singing that chorus, or thank you so much for adding that part of the Eucharist." That was just really, really. I miss that. I miss that, and thank you for including that. Well, that's not my tradition or my experience, but. But I, I found great, great joy in that. So I hope that answers that question a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's a. I think you just identified two things that are really, really important. That that the gospel supersedes denominational uh, oh, yeah. theological differences, and so we've got to think through. Hey, what does that look like? What is what is serving a new community look like, without maybe, you know, 
force feeding Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada doctrine. But what I find beautiful about it is people get hungry for God in that, and uh, they experience him the way, uh, you know, maybe similar to the expressions, like you mentioned before, that we would experience, or my tradition would be at least. I love this second part, too, that 500 people are worth it. Oh, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, I couldn't agree more. So how do we get, how do you think we could get our rural planters, rural pastors, maybe some of them are out there listening to this podcast because they saw, oh, look, a podcast that's talking about rural planting. Mm -hmm. Very interested. How do we, how do we get a mindset of multiplication in our rural planters that maybe think, well, I don't have the resources. We don't have the people. We don't have the money. Uh, where are we going to plant it? You know, they, they create a lot of obstacles. How do we, how do we overcome some of those? And you're right. We didn't have the money and we didn't have the resources, but, but we had, we had a, a couple of people that were willing to drive down the street and, and we, we borrowed some money from, from uh, some of our reserve funds, which a lot of our churches are sitting on a ton of reserve funds that they're saving for who knows when, and people around them are not all oh, that, you know, rural churches are usually far better off than, or they don't want to touch the reserve funds. You know, I, I made the comment years ago that, that one of the great turnarounds for Lanigan is when they spent their, when they spent their reserve funds to, to update the building a little bit. They, they touched what I consider to be more sacred than, than the, you know, the, the nuclear launch codes, you know, you don't touch those things and, and we don't touch our reserve funds. They spent all of it. And a lot of our rural churches do have more resources than they have. What they don't have is that they, they don't have someone that says it really matters for this church that we become a church that is willing to risk a little bit for the kingdom down over there. That is something that I find to be a real challenge, the risk adverseness, that we are just afraid of what it will this mean for us. And what we, we can't, we have to hold a, a, a Bible, we have to hold a Bible study on Wednesday night because we have a few people in our church that want more Bible studies. At the, the leader, Healthy Leader Network that we ran yesterday, our, our district superintendent made this comment. He said, I think that most of our churches are 3,000 verses overweight. He said, stop doing Bible studies midweek and hold an alpha or hold a celebrate recovery or, or run a grief care, do some stop. No, no, I, you know, I, maybe I shouldn't be, be uh, quoting him here in this and I didn't ask his permission to do so, but, but those are pretty strong words. If our churches were to say, let's try something different. Let's drive down the road. Let's run a something over there. Alpha's free. You can just download the stuff and, and put up signs. And if you don't have the money to do it, rural pastor, Saskatchewan will help you. We've got some money aside. To, we'll, send, we'll send to you to help you run an alpha. And a, so, come on. Let's, oh, come let's, on. let's, just, let's talk the, to Saskatchewan friends. <laughs> there is just no, yeah, that's it. I'll, and I'll tell you, and, and you know that, that all of us are hungry across Canada in this. The, the, there is not a limit when it comes to, to vision. And, and people will feed into vision, vision financially, but we just desperately need some people that would care about the church, down, the, the community down the street, that's 500 people, and say, that is worth a Wednesday night. It's worth me driving through the snow. And yes, I wrecked my car. 
I did. I wrecked my, my, my van driving to Leroy one Wednesday because the snow was howling and I ran over a drift that was a lot harder than I thought. And I smashed off the front thing and I was mad. I was like, God, I'm trying to serve your people here. And I wrecked my van over driving over. A, but you know, that church, their community has a church now. And that, that, that church is, is loving that community and, and they're a part of it. They saw five kids this summer come to Jesus through a VBS. Wow. What, what, you know, how can we be so lost in the value of our stuff that that doesn't matter to us anymore. So I, I, yeah, I, you, I'm the wrong guy to talk to about about why you can't do something because I, I, you can, and we can help you as 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 our districts. We can help you, but it needs some people, and I don't care what your age is. I, I am so tired of the fact that so many of our of our older pastors are are just looking to the hills and saying, I got another five years, I just got to kind of cruise in that way. Man, you're not, you're going to be uncomfortable around me because uh, let us do something within at our churches. And you wouldn't believe that when you do something like that, the kind of effect it has on the people of God that is attending your church. They may all of a sudden catch your vision and a passion for stuff that you never believed that they could. So now I'm having these older people who are driving, over 50, driving every week to this small community church because they, they have found something there that they never believed that they could actually find. Um, because their church has become, well, they know everyone. They've had coffee. You know, they've visited forever. They don't want to really visit anymore. And now they're actually meeting some new people yeah. and, and, and making an impact in the kingdom, which is so, yeah, I think that, that we need to capture a vision for the value of sacrificial ministry within our rural communities. There are people there even now. I know we're spending a lot of time looking for church planners, and that's a big issue for me to find new people. But a lot of our churches within our, a lot of our small communities are primed and ready to go they just need to believe they can do it i could they i couldn't agree more they, they just need to just need to try something just even do it once a month okay so here another example for you there is a church that was planted in ituna saskatchewan not part of our church fellowship and and uh they they knew about our story in uh, lanigan leroy and so i know that we were influenced in that um and, and they saw a community that had no church. And so they went and held a service once a month. Okay, just once a month. Not once every week, just once a month. Put out some signs and said, let's do something once a month. Guess what happened? People showed up. People showed up. And eventually after about six, eight months of visiting once a month, they came and said, we would like more. Would you please figure out a way that we can have something on a Sunday that we can invite our friends in our community to come and be a part of. So guess what they did? They got some people together who began to have a passion for this just because they met once a month. Do you think that our small rural churches couldn't do a gospel service in another community once a month on a Wednesday night, stop their Bible study, say, Hey, we're going to do something in the school or the, or the old Legion hall or, or figure out because the community is filled with empty buildings. Like there's all kinds of empty buildings, even empty churches that are sitting there that are desirous for their, their gospel centered places that are empty now. Oh my, oh my, oh my. I just, 
there's so much opportunity. And I, I would love for our guys to recognize that the Spirit of God is calling us to people that are lost. And our rural communities are filled with lost people who are open to the gospel. Right. If we would just show up, just show up, you'll be shocked at what the Spirit is doing behind the scenes. Yeah, you just got to be present with them. I'm reminded of the story of uh, Elisha with the widow. And he says, how much oil do you have? She goes, I have nothing. Oh, wait, I've got a little bit. <laughs> and then God multiplies. And I've you know got what? a little bit. I've yeah. got a little bit. And he goes, that's enough. And uh, I think I think there's rural pastors out there that could say, listening to you, this very impassioned appeal that you're giving us today, which I think is absolutely incredible. They go, Kevin, I I think I might have a little to give. And if God, if God could multiply our little, we could maybe make an impact in several communities. I, I, I grew up rural communities. Um, you know, if we, we, we could talk about youth ministry in rural communities and how open, uh, small towns are to engaging young people and how, uh, town councils would give you money to, to do things to, they'll give you the gym for free. Uh, I, I know stories of rural pastors that would just open up the gym and 70, 80 kids would show up on a gym night and, and, I mean, there's there's some youth groups in cities that don't have 70 or 80 people. And the, the opportunities I want people to hear today are incredible. But, but Kevin, why don't you sell us a little bit on the value, maybe, that the benefit for your family, the benefit for you of planting in rural settings. Like, what, was, what were some of the things, unless you live in a rural setting, you wouldn't know was a benefit? The benefits are significant, far beyond what I ever uh, could have imagined. At the beginning, all I saw was the cost. I, I never saw the, the actual uh, gift that it was, which I felt embarrassed about that too, because so much of, of, uh, so much of ministry for us is another price to pay. Uh, and, oh man, I got to do something else. I got to add another thing to the list. But what I found is that as soon as we began to do this, there was an opportunity for us to see God working really up close. I'm hungry as a Pentecostal to see evidence of the spirits moving. And, and sometimes as I look across our established churches, we don't see evidence of that. But when you step into this kind of a thing, all of a sudden you move into an area where you see God is really significantly working. And, and, and I was blind to it. And, and so as a family to see this people hungry for the gospel, which sometimes in our established churches, we, we miss that. So when you church plant, you're kind of a little bit out there, right? And you're risky. And all of a sudden you see these stories and hear these stories and then you begin to fall in love with the people that, that you have met, which is a massive benefit. When people are loving you and you're loving them back and they're showing up on a Wednesday, hey, pastor, I just, man, I just love what you're doing here. Here, uh, which, here here's a whole bunch of muffins for you and your family. I baked them this week. Now, now, listen, Paul, on Wednesday night in the Leroy Church, we would worship for a half an hour and then we would take a break. 
kind of modeled it after some of, we take a break, we take a 20 minute break just to visit and connect with each other. Now these people visit and connect with each other all the time because they live in a small community. A 500, you know everybody really, really well. The visiting and connecting time became such a massive value as a church family. They would pack that place out with, with food, like treats, and, and it was awful in a most fantastic way because we would stop for coffee and we'd go, who made this? And who, where did this come from? And, and we would, wow, because these older people, can they cook? These ladies and these, oh my, we would be overwhelmed with the generosity and we would laugh and cheer and and celebrate and everyone's birthday would be celebrated and there was not a person missed. They felt so, and you can't, you cannot, you know, get a whole bunch of of joy out of that And, and recognizing that you're a part of this community of relationship, which today we are very disconnected. And so to have this environment where there's love and joy and growth, and then you see people saved and you see people being water baptized and your family is excited to see the the mission of God. Boy, I'll tell you, the benefits are pretty, pretty significant and real live benefits. One of the greatest things, though, that it happened for my family is that my kids began to understand the, the cost and the joy of the cost of of missionary behavior within Canada. And I feel very, very thankful for a group of kids that are hungry for um, paying the price in, in, in the gospel. You know, you've heard my heart for our pastor's kids. And, and I, I keep bringing it up over and over. We've got a generation of pastor kids that, that need to be released into ministry far younger than we're still holding them back and we're still doing it as adult professionals. And, and, and in these kind of environments, when you've got a group of 30 people that are coming into your church and you need a drummer and guitar player, you're looking for anyone, anybody who can feel, Hey, Hey, can you play drums? Can you hit this one beat? Just come sit here and hit this thing every just one, two. And we would, they would never get on the stage in most of our churches, but they're our worship team. <laughs> and they have a whole, you know, just a whole life that comes ahead of them for them in the midst of this, this ministry. So the benefits in that for my kids and, the, and the, the, the seeing of the gospel explode in their heart as they're involved in ministry and being involved in church planting and being involved with being loved by these older people and, and loving them back and, Oh, it's, it's just the benefits are, are more numerous than I can imagine. Yet when we start, we don't see any of that. All we're interested in is how much is it going to cost me. And then you get into it and you say, man, you know, this is the best thing I've ever done. This is the most fantastic thing that I thought I didn't know that I could have this much fun. And I love these people. Like I really love them and they really love me and they love my kids and they love each other. And, and God, why was I ever crying about the cost when you had all this ready for me? Wow. And I just wasn't willing to do it. Well said. Well said. So wow. huge, guys. Get yeah. in there. Yeah. There's, Find a community. Do it. There's no shortage of opportunity there, is there? There's no short, no. So we got a couple minutes left. Want to ask okay. you about your district role. What excites you about your church multiplication role? Kind of coordinating, leading, some directing for Saskatchewan. Why don't you tell us about some cool things happening there? Saskatchewan is a great province. Um, I am humbled by the fact that I get to to, uh, put my hat into this ring 
getting to work with people like you, Paul, and the other national leaders um, was really great to, to just spend a couple of days together a few weeks ago and, and just hear the hearts of, of the passion, heart and passion for, for reaching people within Canada. And I am very, very grateful for that expression. Saskatchewan is, uh, is a province that is leading the way in, in decline and uh, in, stabil- in, in, in um, churches that are, are no longer, oh, I'm missing the word, what's my word? Um, plateau. Uh, decline and plateau, yeah. thank you. And, and our, our task is, is fairly significant. Our province is growing though. So it's not, so when I say to the churches, that when we're talking about being plateaued, it says that's just the fake word. If your community and our province is growing and you're not, you're in decline, even though you may have the same numbers as last year. You may say, okay, you're plateaued, but, but really we're all in decline. So the opportunities before us in Saskatchewan are significant. And, uh, and, and that, that's, that's a real exciting place to be. And so we do have some church multiplication things that are on the table as we are having the conversation with all of our city and rural churches about them becoming involved in the, in the three P's, the, the, the planting, the partnering, or the providing for a plant, as we are trying to engage that with the 2020 vision, I am hearing more buy-in than I've ever heard. Uh, there's a church in, in Tisdale, Saskatchewan, that is looking at trying to plant two churches in their area of, around Tisdale because they've got people that are driving from those communities already to their church. And they're saying, why don't you look at doing some type of missional something in your place on a midweek? And, and Pastor Jack there is trying to prime that pump, and those people are ready to do that kind of work. So I'm seeing a lot of excitement in our rural communities to take on some of these things that are sitting, literally sitting on the table. They just need to, you know, just, just need to get to the, they're sitting on the table. They just need to, to sit up at the table and actually start participating in them. But we also have a lot of vision within our city and cities. And, and there is uh, probably our biggest engagement is with the new people that are moving into Saskatchewan. We have got a significant amount of uh, Filipino people, African people, now Nepalese people that have moved in primarily into our cities, but they're in our, in our rural community as well. And they are very hungry to see multiplication take place and are doing so. So Saskatchewan has added about four or five church plants to our PAOC family in the last year, which is a little bit of a stretch for us because they're doing church real different <laughs> than what I'm used to. Um, they do things like this, okay, on, on New Year's Eve, when all of us within our church families are trying to stay home, they're getting together for all night prayer meetings. Right? They're, they're meeting together to pray in the new year. Well, I remember doing that as a kid, but I, I can't even find a youth group that's getting together on Christmas Eve. And they are posting on Facebook, their highly social uh, internet uh, use, and they got pictures of them seeking God worship nights right into the new year. And, and those people are now making an influence upon us as, as PAOC Saskatchewan. And we are, I'm thankful for them. But I'm also thankful for some young people that are saying, you know, we think it's time for us to plant. And we want to plant a, a, a missionary church that is a targeting, targeting a specific ear. In our cities, you can do that. In rural, you need to be a little bit more neutral to all generations and, 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 and be really um, kind of a, 
a Swiss army knife kind of pastor and even a Swiss army knife kind of church where you kind of have a little bit of everything. Not everything's amazing, but, but you got a little bit, but you can do so in the cities. And so we've got a a potential church planner that's coming into Saskatoon. Uh, He's just in the process of assessment and walking through that, but they have a very clear vision that they are wanting to target people within their own demographic. He's early thirties. So he's in that millennial age. They want to set up a church that will really speak to the highly relational aspect of millennials. And I'm, I'm, I'm really am uh, trying to figure out how we all work together with that. It's because as you're, you're right, I am, uh, I am a full-time church planter and I do this on the side. So uh, we we called it co-vocational. I think I'm co-voluntarial. I don't know if that is a word, but <laughs> but uh, most of it is is just something we do. But but there is some really exciting opportunities we have in Saskatchewan. We are a smaller district, and so we don't have a lot of paid staff, which is okay. I'm okay with that. But there is opportunities uh, for us. But Pastor John is right. The district is always limited, and we all are limited in our districts. Uh, what we can do. The person that is listening to this, if this is a pastor in a smaller church, you are the most important person in this whole puzzle. Right. You're the guy that will go to your church and you will say, let us take on something risky. I believe God is called. And if this podcast does nothing but kind of gives that push right. that, that, that we can help you to do this, you can do this, we believe that you can do this. Then, then this will be a, a very beneficial thing because there are great things that are going on. And this young man came, I approached him, said, would you please consider it? And he said, you know, I think we're ready. I'm hearing that kind of stuff. Good. And Paul, I'm really grateful for even organizations like Multiply Network because you're actually being able to talk to those people saying, consider this, consider this. And they're going, you know, I've never actually had anyone yeah. talk to me about that. Yeah. So there is some great stuff going on. It's hard work. Yeah, it's we're a long ways away um, from lots of success, but I'm ready to I'm ready to stay in the ring as long as the Lord gives me breath and life. Uh, I I will do my best to try to move this ball down the field with with your help and with others and within our within our province and within the great POC. I'm Come so on. thankful. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for sharing your heart today, sharing your passion, and and uh, yeah, you, your district, your churches are really jumping on to that 2020 vision. You're pushing hard. You're doing a great job. Every time I'm around you, Kevin, I just, I always get excited again because you're a, you're a passionate guy. Your heart is right. And you want to see, you want to be, you want to make sure the main thing is the main thing. Reaching people far from God is what we're here to do. And so I just want to applaud you. Keep going. We'll track with you and your church plant in uh, Yorkton and what God is doing there. And Again, just thank you so much for being a part of this. And and just if I could say, too, uh, one of the things I really appreciate about you is how you've talked about your family, how this has been a family thing. This isn't about Kevin. This yes, is about right. this is about our family, you and Rochelle and your kids. And I, I think that's a great lesson to bring your kids into ministry, bring them into the vision. Let their ministry start when yours starts. And I think you're a good example of that. So I just want to... Just want to applaud you for that. Thanks for sharing that. Kevin, thanks for being on the podcast today. Appreciate it, man. A great day. Thank you, Paul.